Go ahead, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 1. You know, I was thinking about this uh, this week. Uh, you know, if you're a kid, and, if you got, and all of us have been a kid at, at some point or another, and if you're a kid currently, then we're, we're going to bring ourselves back into your world right now. But if you're a kid, Christmas time is just, it's strange in some ways. It's like being in the dark for a month. That's what it kind of feels like. I remember my parents would ask me what I wanted for Christmas, and after I told them, they would say, um, well, uh, you've lost your mind, but wait until Christmas, you know, for that thing that you just asked for. And I'd be like, okay, hold on, let me get this straight. Um, you asked me, you just asked me what I wanted, I told you, and now you want me to believe that there's very little chance I'm going to get what I asked for, right? Um, they're telling me to wait for something I'm probably not going to get, right? And looking back at it, now, it just, uh, it just feels mean, kind of, you know, and, uh, and a slightly odd life message for us, right? Because what it, what it meant was that my life was on hold until Christmas, until maybe I got what I wanted, right? And in a lot of ways, in, in a weird, strange kind of, kind of, a, kind of a twist, I, I realized it, it established sort of this subtle pattern in my life, and, and maybe, maybe in yours too, I wonder how many of you live your life on hold like that because you feel like all you're doing is waiting to get what you want, right? We find ourselves just living life on hold in waiting, maybe for career, maybe for a spouse, maybe it's a family that we're on hold waiting for, maybe it's a, a car, man, we've, our dream machine, Maybe it's a particular house that we've always wanted, that we're working our way to get. Things aren't quite there until we can get into that. Maybe it's financial security. Man, I just don't have enough cash in the bank, and I feel like I just can't start living my life until I feel secure in those areas. Maybe it's, maybe it's healing. Maybe it's, man, maybe you've had this physical uh, sort of issue in your life, and you're thinking, if I could just get, get that taken care of, or it could be something like reconciliation, like, man, I've had some hard times with some family members, and if I could just reconcile, if we could just heal this relationship, then maybe life would be able to carry on. Maybe it's even something like relocation. Man, I've just been trying to get out of Ashtown now for years, you know? If I could just make it to Worcester, you know? If I could just get to Worcester. We got like 10 Worcester people that are like, yeah, you know, that's, that's the dream. We already realized we were in Ashland at one time, Right? Um, but it's interesting, the things in our lives that we sort of pull back on it and we're on hold with, um, and two things end up happening with what I just described, living our lives in that way. One is that life doesn't feel worth living until we attain what we want, right? Uh, and secondly, if, if you do attain what you want, if there's two or three of you out there that have attained that, that have found that to be true, you find you find that these things don't really exceed your expectations like you thought they would, and the result is you experience disappointment. And here's what's interesting. You don't experience disappointment because your expectations aren't met, but because they were met, but they weren't exceeded, okay? Expectations are met, actually, as soon as we receive the thing that we want. So as soon as I received that gift from mom and dad on Christmas, that was the expectation. I mean, I was hoping... I got what I wanted, but the disappointment occurs when what we wanted doesn't exceed just the mere possession of it. That's the strange thing that we battle with, 
in our lives. So let me just cut to the chase this morning. What the Bible tells us, and what we're going to read here in John 1, is that Jesus is the only one who meets our expectations by shedding light on our deepest need and then exceeds our expectations by fully satisfying them. And of course, it started with Christmas. And here's what the Gospel of John says about how Christmas does this. I'm going to start John chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 18. You can follow along. It says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, talking about Jesus. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In verse 5 it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. Now he was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light, talking about John the Baptist here. Verse 9 says, The true light which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet, it says, the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. And from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses... But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And then finally in verse 18 it says, No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So this is a long passage, and I don't want you guys to be here until 3 in the afternoon because you have presents to open and dinner to eat and no doubt lots of strange uncles to argue with you know, throughout the course of the day. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just sort of pull back and uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to give us three reflections, three ways from this passage that I think John is speaking to in the ways that Jesus meets and exceeds our expectations by satisfying our deepest need. The first one is this, if we look in verse 4 or 5, what Jesus provides for us is illumination in the depth of of our soul. If you look back at verse 4 and 5 there, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So the first thing that Jesus provided by his coming was illumination in the depth of our souls. Because here's the thing, here's what Scripture tells us, we are shrouded in darkness. And it clouds our thoughts, it affects the way we think, it affects our actions. And everything we do, we are shrouded in darkness. Like the world was before God actually said, let there be light in the book of Genesis. In John 3.19, as we get later on in the book, in the Gospel of John here, John says that people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. Well, that's 
that's not very Christmassy at all, Ronnie. Um, I know. So, suppose a person was born on a planet that was completely pitch black. All right, go with me on this. They wouldn't even know what light was if that was the case, right? But if someone visited the planet and brought a flashlight, they would then not only see through the darkness, but they would finally know that they were in darkness, right? They'd believe that everything the light exposed around them was now real because before they couldn't see it, because now they could see it. And the one who then brought the light they would know was real because they could see him. Because now they could see. Jesus, according to John, is the light that illuminates the depth of our souls that are born in darkness. And as soon as the light of Jesus makes contact with the darkness of our sin, this amazing thing happens where we receive him and then we believe him. Which brings us to our second need that Jesus meets and needs, which is this. If we look in verses 12 and 13. Spiritual adoption by the creator of the universe. So the first thing that Jesus does is he illuminates the depth and the darkness of our souls. So the things that we used to think were true and real, we found that they're not. So we start doubting our doubts. We question the very logic that we try to bring up and believe is true in our hearts because now... Christ has illuminated the darkness that hasn't allowed us to see the truth. It's amazing. The second thing he does is he gives a spiritual adoption. After that light now is shining brightly in our eyes, he gives a spiritual adoption by the creator of the universe. Go to verse 12. Look what it says. I'm not making it up. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, look what it says. He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So your physical birth, though awesome, um, is not enough, is what this passage is telling us. You were conceived in sin, and sin creates separation between you and your creator. It's like when you chopped down that Christmas tree four weeks ago. Maybe some of you guys got fake trees. All right, go with me on this. But for those of you who were legit, and you went to the lot, and you chopped it down, um, this is what it's like, right? I I know you put the tree in water, and I know that you put that Christmas tree preservative in it that they sold you for $400, but you know what's weird? All that preservative does is simply prolong the inevitable end of your poor Christmas tree, right? I mean, that tree doesn't need preservatives. It needs to be reattached to its roots in the ground, like what we've done with these trees. They go all the way down through the basement. They're in the soil right now. They're going to continue to grow and flourish. I just want you guys to know that. This is not just a Christmas prop. This is legit forever. Liz, are you good with that? Okay. So what happens is when Jesus illuminates, listen, the depths of your soul with the light of the good news of the gospel, and you respond in repentance and faith, this is what happens. You become like a dead branch reattached to a living vine. You become a child of God through what John's referring to here as spiritual adoption. In fact, if we go to Ephesians, the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Ephesus says, this is what he says, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself 
as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. In other words, when God wants to do something, when he wants to reach into your heart and into your soul and, and to do something in your life, like he always wins. He always succeeds. And he says this later. He says, in him we have redemption through his blood. That's how that takes place, that adoption. We have the forgiveness of our trespasses according to what? Well, he says right here, the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. So for those of you who find yourself in a place where you look up and you say, Lord, you are my creator. I understand the reason why you came. I understand the darkness and the depths of darkness that were in my soul and in my heart. I understand that the reason why Christmas happened was so that... I could attain this spiritual adoption with the Father. For those of you which that's happened to, you've been lavished with grace, right? It's like your kids that have like 219 presents waiting for them under the tree, if you're one of those families that waited this morning. It's like that. Do those kids deserve presents? Now, ain't none of y'all going to raise your hands when I ask that, because we know that's not true. They don't deserve any presents. Like, no obligation for you to buy presents for your kids, right? I'm looking at my kid right now, and she's going, seriously? Like, there's no, ob no, there's no obligation, right? But you've lavished your kids with grace. Why? Because they're your sons and they're your daughters. And according to the riches of your grace and the complete, um, you know, flattening out of your bank account, they have gifts, so we could sit here until next Christmas unpacking this, but um, what this passage is telling us here in verses 12, 13 is that spiritual adoption occurs because God lavishes you with his grace, with the riches of his grace by redeeming you through the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. That's just not a line for us to just throw out there. There's everything in that. When we talk about the blood of Jesus and the forgiveness of your sins, you know what that means? That means you are his, and he is yours. And so the third thing, as sons and daughters now, who've had the depths of our darkness illuminated in our souls and have become adopted sons and daughters, we receive this third and final thing, which is an inexhaustible supply of grace. Look at me in verse 14 and 16. He says, And the Word became flesh, talking about Jesus, and he dwelt among us. That means he came to us 2,000 years ago. He dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And bump down to 16, and he says, And from his fullness, from everything he is, he is the Son of God. He is equal to God. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. So oddly enough, all right, because we were born into darkness, we have a familiarity with it. And you know what? We, we kind of like it. Like we like the darkness. We're drawn to it in a lot of ways. It's like on January 1st, right? Next week, next Sunday, I'm going to tell myself, brother, I'm going to lay off the sweets, right? On January 1st, that's my day. And I'm going to lay off the sweets. And I actually, you know what happens on January 1st for me? I actually make it for a little while. But sometime after lunch on January 1st, um, man, I'm craving something sweet, right? Because I've been injecting my, my body with sugar for the past, I was going to say a couple weeks. It's really been for years now. But I'm craving something sweet even though I know, even though I know that there's a diabetes doctor in our congregation who will be angry but stay employed. 
to my regression back into candy. But that's like our sin, right? Really, Ronnie, you're going to treat my candy eating with sin? It's what I got this morning. But it's like our sin. We are in a battle, right? Because, man, I'm telling you, all of you guys, when you make that resolution on January 1st to eat better, it's not going to not feel like a battle. It's not going to just be the easiest thing that you've ever attempted to connect with and do. It never is, but our sin is like that. It's a battle because we like to sin. We're drawn to sin. But God gives us something that pulls us back to him even when the darkness entices us and we find ourselves drawn back to pockets of, the, of that darkness and that sin. And it's this thing called grace. And grace is this. Grace is God saying, look, I saved you. I illuminated your soul. I adopted you out of the darkness. And even though you still will fall into sin, I'm with you in the battle. And I will never let sin destroy you completely or detach you from me who is the vine. So he illuminates, he illuminates the depths of our souls. He spiritually adopts us to be his children. And then he gives us an inexhaustible supply of grace. So maybe you feel like life is on hold right now because you've never achieved those things that you've been pursuing. Or maybe you feel like you did achieve some of those things, but they just they just ended up being so underwhelming, even though they were the very things that you pursued and wanted and got. And for some of you, when you look ahead to 2017, it just feels unclear. It feels murky. It feels like you're looking into kind of a dark void when you think of the new year. I know we're all supposed to be pumped for the new year. I venture to say that many of us are not super pumped for the new year, right? Most of us look into the new year and we think, well, if, if I can get to this place, if I can change these habits. But you know what? There's, a, there's an if, right? There's an if hanging off all of those things, right? So what then? What then? Well, what John tells us here is that in verse 9, Jesus is the true light. Because we'll, what we really want is we want some illumination, don't we? We want to know that regardless of what 2016 has brought us, we want to know that there's hope on the horizon, don't we? We need to believe that there is hope despite circumstances maybe having given us something that almost felt too hard to bear this year. And some of you might be coming off of something like that right now, where situation a tragedy, something is in your life that feels like it's too much to bear. And going into 2017, I don't know how I'm going to bear it. But John tells us that we have illumination, we have Jesus, we have the true light. You know what that means for us? You know why that's hopeful? Because it means that everything we thought we wanted is actually found in Jesus. It means that our fears are met in him because he met fear on the cross. It means our pain is given meaning. It's given meaning because he suffered ultimate pain on the cross. It means that hope is not just this fatalistic maybe if word for us, but it's the assurance of a promise 
that was kept and fulfilled on the cross. So in Jesus, this is the amazing thing. Our expectations are finally met and exceeded because what we wanted before Jesus was something too easily attained. And we know it was too easily attained because of how easily it lost us and we grew disillusioned with it, whether we attained it or not, right? Jesus, on the other hand, can never be lost. Why? Because he never loses us. He gives us light to see what our true need is. Do we understand? Do we know what our true need is? Are we going to be sitting here? We're not going to be sitting here next year. But are we going to be sitting here next year wondering what our true need is? Are we going to be going after our wants? Are we going to be going after things to meet our expectations instead of grabbing hold of the person of whom exceeds our expectations and meets our needs? Is that going to be our story in 2017? Because Jesus gives us light to see what our true need is. And when we see our true need, our truest hopes can finally be met and fulfilled. And Jesus did that. He exceeded our expectations by coming in the flesh to do what? To provide reconciliation with God, his Father. But God, listen, God isn't our Father until we're qualified to be his son or daughter. Well, what qualifies us? Well, only Jesus, who became flesh to die in the flesh and rise to new life so that we could become spiritually alive. And that spiritual aliveness happens when we confess our sin to him and ask him to cover us with our righteousness, like Scott pointed out earlier. This is what needs to happen to us for us to be accepted by God. When he looks at us, he doesn't see our sin anymore, but only the righteousness of his son. And that is when we know our hearts have been illuminated that's when we know we've been spiritually adopted. That's when we can start experiencing this inexhaustible supply of grace. And after that, everything will be perfect forever. That's totally untrue. But you will forever have a perfect God who loves you, who delights in you, who convicts you, who tests you, but who conforms you more deeply into the image of his son for the joy of your heart and the glory of himself. And that, Charlie Brown, is why Christmas happened and why Jesus, Jesus, the true light, can meet and finally, finally exceed all of your expectations for true, lasting hope. You guys feel me on that? That's Christmas. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of your son, the word who became flesh, who dwelt among us, who is the true light and the true hope. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would illuminate our hearts today as we gather together with family, as we remember your birth Lord, use these words to change us, to give us hope, 
to help us to remember what it is that you sent your son to die for us who needed reconciliation with God and can now rejoice. And when we receive these gifts today from family members and friends, we can be ever reminded that this is just a picture of the gift that we are given by you sending Christ, your son, to die for us so that we might know you, that we might have life more abundantly so that we don't have to wait holding our breath for things that will not provide us with that kind of satisfaction and fulfillment that we so desperately crave. Lord, be our satisfaction today on this special day, on Christmas. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name we said together. Amen. Amen.